Life is overwhelming sometimes, and that's why it's incredibly important to focus on your mental health, not from just a personal standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. So this podcast is with Shelly Smith, co-founder of UWC, which is her own therapeutic practice. So she's a therapist for families, individuals, and couples. And in this podcast episode, we dive deep into mental health, the stigmas around it, how quote-unquote normal people can help themselves, and why seeking therapy isn't so, so bad after all. So we really break down the stigmas around this and really dive into some great topics to help you guys out both personally and professionally finding that quote-unquote work-life balance um, and why um, that's really fake in a sense and there's no such thing as a work-life balance. So again, if you guys like anything you hear, please take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram story, Snapchat story, uh, LinkedIn, wherever. Give us some love um, at Starting Blank. My name is Sam Lister and I am the host today and hope you guys enjoy the episode. So welcome, guys, to another episode of Starting Blank. I have a very special guest with me today, Shelly Smith. How's it going? Hi, great. Glad to be here. To start things off, Shelly, mm-hmm. surprise question. Oh, man. <laughs> if you were to pick, you mm-hmm. could be any superhero in the world, mm-hmm. or you could create your own superhero. Which one would you pick and why? I'd totally create my own. What are your superpowers? Definitely being able to fly and invisibility. Okay. Always wanted those too. I don't know why. Always since I was a little kid. Um, yeah, probably just a hybrid because I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little more creative. I don't feel like I fit in a box well, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it makes sense to me that I'm just going to do my own thing and figure out, figure out what it is. I do feel like, and this is kind of a cheesy answer, <laughs> so I'm going to put this in there too. Like I had a friend one time, and she said, "Shelly, what is your superpower?" Right? Everybody has something. Um, and I said, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. And so I spent some time trying to figure that out. Um, and then I think that's part of my persona. Like that's who I am, right? Is I'm empathetic and I love people and I just want good in the world. And so I think like being a therapist kind of is my superpower as cheesy as that is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if I could do anything else, it would be the fly or be invisible. That's awesome. Just for fun. Yeah. And you're, you're a co-founder of your own company. So yes. it's a mm-hmm. little untraditional in the therapy Quite. session, I would, I yeah. would say. Yeah, definitely. So, so I feel like your um, your answer to that question kind of leads up to where you are perfectly. Like it's a perfect yeah. reflection of your of your life. So let's mm-hmm. let's throw it back maybe to um, college years. You went <laughs> Indiana? Butler University Butler? in Indianapolis. Okay, in yep. Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, walk me through that process. Did you go to school yeah. for, for therapy? Oh, no, no. This okay. is like a second career for me. I've pivoted so many times in my life. It's kind of entertaining. Um, no, I went to um, Butler University, got my undergrad in English and in secondary education um, and a little bit of journalism minor thrown in there just for fun because my parents were telling me, Shelly, you need to have a job at some point, right? Um, and so uh, straight out of school, I went into teaching. I taught middle school for a few years. Loved it. I love the middle school age. Um, I actually have a middle schooler now, so it's a little terrifying in a different way. (laughs) But uh, I just love the awkwardness. I love like the uncomfortable stage where they don't quite know where their body is or what's like happening in any moment. Um, But there's still this hope and optimism and excitement. Um, but also creative problem solving comes out of them all the time. Mm-hmm. So got to do that for a number of years um, and did some really cool stuff there. Loved it. 
found out I don't fit well into sort of like traditional hierarchical structures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of important that at some point I just, just got out and I really wanted to help teenagers more than I could and help their families. So ultimately that's what led me into getting a master's in, in counseling. I love that. I, I don't think I've ever met someone who said, I love middle school age. <laughs> so that, that's super interesting. It's, it's interesting because in middle school, obviously, you're going through puberty and just weird body so stuff. Weird. And people are awkward and people don't really know how to act. Yeah. But then I think as you kind of transition to high school for being uncomfortable with your body, that that's that stays around almost. <laughs> right. It doesn't change but quickly. High school, I think people realize the mental side of, of everything and yeah. how mentally taxing different friend groups can be and relationships Absolutely. around you, relationships with yourself more so than others. So we see this whole mental right. shift of, hey, I'm just worried about my appearance to, mm-hmm. hey, my mental state is not the best. Right. If you could talk about kind yeah. of the the transformation you've seen from like middle school students to even high school students, mm. is there anything that like sticks out to you? No, I think you, I think you led into it pretty well. I mean, the fact that during those developmental stages, right, we're, we're figuring out who we are as a human, right? Who we are as a person, how to even fit in our bodies, how to feel comfortable with ourselves and learn how to have confidence or self-worth, which is tanking during that time of life, yeah. let's be honest. And at the same time, trying to learn what it means to be in relationship and what it means to be a good friend or, or what all these hormones and attractions are doing to us, right? I mean, relationships are pretty fundamental, especially in that high school stage, um, and they should be. But at the same time, it's just, I feel like it's landmines all over the place. People just trying trying to figure it out and navigating it and the pain that comes in there, right? Learning to be vulnerable, but then getting hurt. And how do I repair? And how do I then go on to trust again and be vulnerable again with another person? Um, and so there are some really fundamental lessons that we can learn during that stage if we're held well right by people and we have people who are picking us up when we fall down and stuff like that i mean there's just a lot going on during that time so you're you're a mother to a to a middle school student right now i am what are what are some lessons like you're you're trying to instill on them um going through this kind of awkward time in their life right so my kids are 12 and 9 so they're at really fun ages but also challenging ages (laughs) and they um you know, of course, I think they're great kids, but we're just at the edge of this stage. And some of the things that I'm trying to impart to them is, is some of what I just said, right? That we do have to kind of put ourselves out there. We do have to trust people and try to do good in the world and hope for the best, right? Knowing that at times it'll be a risk and we'll get hurt and, you know, parents will be there to pick you back up, right? We'll, we'll help hold you through that and teach and and learn but you do have to make some mistakes on your own right and you do have to learn from those and become a better person i do spend a lot of time um teaching my kids and just active coping strategies right they they roll their eyes but i talk to them a lot about like mindfulness and i talk to them a lot about different practices that they can do and talking about their emotions and not stuffing things inside and if they don't want to talk to me that's fine there are other trusted adults they can (laughs) talk to right um but really kind of just setting them up with as many skills and practices and supports as possible to kind of help give them a bit more resilience to make to make it through while they're learning all the lessons 
honestly, good for you. You, you should do this for a living. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, that's that's super profound because I feel like in middle school and high school, we're never really taught how to be present with our emotions mm-hmm. and to practice mindfulness or even what what is mindfulness. Um, so I think this is just such a big kind of gap in the education system. And they're like, I was never forced to go into a mindfulness class or right. a mental health class. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are very stigmatized in not only just in high school, in middle school, in college, mm-hmm. in adult life, like just all throughout life, this, this whole battle of mental health and being okay with being emotional and being right. able to cry, especially from being a male. Mm-hmm. Um, could you just talk about like those kind of those stigmas and what, what you've seen um, all throughout the spectrum of young versus old mm-hmm. and kind of how, how we can battle that and how we, how we can help kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're all coming up against that battle, right? We all come up against that stigma um, of trying to be a real human right? in a difficult world and with all of the things that life will throw at us, whether you're young or older, but not feeling like we're able to be real. Right, with other people not feeling like we're able to reach out for help or ask for support or admit what's even going on with us, right? We have to like put on a mask or kind of, you know, put up this front of, of what it all looks like. Um, and I think it is improving that the stigma is starting to lessen. Um, certainly it's better now than it was a decade or two decades or longer ago, right? I mean, over time, it's slowly shifting, but it's a slow shift. Right? <laughs> and I think that's it's, a, it's an important shift that's happening kind of in two different places. So one of the things that we tend to talk about, my business partner and I, we, we often talk about how the stick, there's two levels of stigma almost, right? One is just stigma around mental health in general. Right? And around like, well, what if somebody gives me a diagnosis, right? Or how, you know, how crazy do I have to be to see a therapist, right? Those sorts of things around like, you know, real mental health and being able to get the care that you need, right? Treatment you need or medications you might need or, you know, whatever that might look like for people. But then there's this, this second level that I feel like is equally stigmatized and not talked about nearly often enough. And that is just the rest of us who maybe don't have something like diagnosable, but like, can I curse by the way on the show? Oh God. (laughs) Like life is fucking hard, right? (laughs) Like at the end of the day, this is not easy what we're doing and things come up, right? We have relationship struggles. We have, whether you're middle school or high school or whether you're 50 or 60, right? We have relationship struggles. We have struggles at work. We have um, just general anxiety or we have other issues that are coming up that were stressing us out incredibly. And sometimes our coping skills are great with that. Sometimes we need to do a little bit deeper reflection and digging in and kind of figuring out what's going on or who am I at this stage of life compared to where I was five or 10 or 20 years ago. And for those things, I think we're also stigmatizing people and we're not allowing them to seek the help they need, right? Because there are a lot of great resources that we try to do on our own, right? A lot of people who are like trying to, you know, do all the YouTube videos they can about self-help or, you know, trying to like essentially kind of fix ourselves on our own, but we're not reaching out for the help we need, whether that's with being vulnerable with a close friend who we trust or whether it's reaching out in therapy or, or something else, right? There's just a lot of stigma around what that even means and what that can look like. 
So part of the design of our practice is to help break through that, mm -hmm. right? And that's why it's a little bit unique and different in the way in which we do things. Um, but we want basically to start pushing the field forward a bit and making sure that convenient, flexible care for people just in regular day-to-day -day life is available, right? You don't have to wait until like you're at a breaking point or yeah. something. Right. Yeah, I think that's something so many people struggle with because I think it goes back to two main things. One is ego, and, mm -hmm. and the other is they're insecure. Um, and, and I guess they, they definitely feed each other. Mm -hmm. So sure. from, from your own experiences of dealing with patients and essentially helping quote-unquote normal people, right. like people that don't have like, hey, you, you need to see one right now, like you are at your absolute breaking point. But like like you said, Life is fucking hard sometimes, right? and people people are so obsessed with helping themselves, even though sometimes they're not fully equipped to mm -hmm. do so, myself included. Like, I again, I have never been taught to, hey, this is how you prioritize your mental health. Here is what mental health even means. This is right. why it's important. So from, I'm, I'm 20, so mm -hmm. from like a young college age kid, the education system fails in that sense and like mm -hmm. there's some things you can learn on YouTube you can go out and learn how to turn on a camera on YouTube sure. but diving into like personal development and self-development okay. and helping yourself and becoming present with your emotions is just a whole nother ball game essentially yeah. and I, I find it fun digging into myself and like I've never really dug deep um, before fun. until like probably three four months ago I've, mm -hmm. I've went to a few um, Essentially, it's like leadership, self-development mm -hmm. trainings. And it's it's fun and scary and challenging and emotional, like digging into your past and like, hey, this is why you act the way you do yeah. right now. Um, so if, if someone isn't ready to, I guess, seek external help, go mm -hmm. see a therapist, what are some things they can they can do um, to, to help develop themselves personally in a safe way? Way. Right. Not, not just watching random YouTube videos. No. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I think you mentioned some of them, right? So so some of that is just self-reflection, right? Being able to look at the things in your life that you feel confident about that you've done well, but also the things where you've struggled or where you've failed and and using those as tools to kind of dig in and figure out like what was going on there, right? What was I doing? I think a lot of that just comes back to being curious. Right? Curiosity is something that we use in therapy all the time. And it's a lot easier when someone else is asking us the questions because it kind of leads us to think in different directions that we might not otherwise. Um, but we can do some of that work absolutely on our own and be able to just kind of be curious. About what was going on there for me? Right? Or, or what caused me to say that thing? Or in, in, and interact in this way, not in a judging way, right? Because we don't necessarily want to judge ourselves in some harsh light or something. Which we all do. We, we do, all, and that's a whole love, different conversation, we love right? judging ourselves and being our Absolutely. And so I don't mean this in that sense, right? Where I'm judging, oh, I did this awful thing, or oh, I shouldn't have said that, <laughs> right? Or, or those shoulds that we put on ourselves. But to be able to just ask questions about what, what was the motivation with that? Or how could I do this better next time, right? What is it um, in this relationship that's reminding me maybe of past relationships and the way I'm interacting? So um, things like that, just getting curious and being able to kind of start exploring that. If there are trusted people in, in your life who can give you 
loving, honest feedback, right? Not in some harsh, critical way um, and not in a way where they just cover things up because they don't want to hurt your feelings, but people who you really trust, to be honest. Sometimes that can be useful if there's something specific that you want to reflect on or, or get a little feedback about, right? How do I come across when when I talk like this, you know, just to, just to see what they say. Um, but I think that has to be held with that non-judgmental stance where we're not making it into something too critical for ourselves either, which can be a tricky thing. Um, and with the right amount of self-compassion involved so that we're not, we're not being so compassionate that we're like, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to change. Right. Um, but enough so that we're, we're doing it in a, in a loving and gentle way with ourselves too. Yeah. And the first step is self-awareness and exactly. being aware of those things. Right. Um, in the, in the trainings I went through, um, feedback was one of like the biggest mm -hmm. things they, they stress giving completely open and honest feedback with each other and with yourself and yeah. being, being able to ask for feedback and especially receive feedback. Yeah. I feel like people have a very hard relationship on like if people ask them, Hey, even even from like a video standpoint, hey, what do you think of this video? Oh, that's perfect. That's that's amazing. That's the best video I've ever seen. People people don't don't speak the truth. Maybe it's an awesome video, but sure. like even on a, on a deeper level, like like you said, how do I come across when I talk this way or this mm -hmm. way or when I ask you or when we have these conversations? People feels like we're kind of in a bubble of like cushiness of oh, we don't want to hurt everyone's feelings, right. which makes us avoid giving giving honest and like vulnerable feedback. Absolutely. And what that brings up for me as you're talking about it. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and so my training is working with individuals, but also working with people's relationships, right? And so even when I'm working with an individual, we're paying attention, right, to the relationships and what's going on and all those dynamics um, and vice versa with relationships. So. Uh, I'm always kind of seeing things to some degree through that systemic lens. And so when you bring up things like that, right, people kind of being in this in this bubble almost of, of self-protection and not wanting to either hear the criticism or not wanting to give it to someone else, even if it's constructive and useful things that they're saying, what I'm hearing underneath that is the struggle that we have with, on a larger scale, society in general and certainly comes across in social media. I think we get sick of that conversation a lot around around this topic, um, but also just in, in our one-on-one -on -one relationships with everyone from a significant other to a friend to a family member of some sort to co-founders to teams that we work with or whomever, we end up struggling with vulnerability, right? We end up struggling a lot with being able to put ourselves out there, right, in a trusted relationship um, or anywhere and kind of take off that mask and say, here's, here's what's really happening or here's what I really think. And also then holding other people and holding ourselves with empathy, right? So the core facets of relationships are really vulnerability and empathy, right? We need those to have meaningful and healthy relationships and without them, everything's surface. And so when we, end up not putting ourselves out there in that moment or someone else doesn't feel like they can put themselves out there um, it absolutely starts to kind of erode the relationships a bit as well and we can't be honest with ourselves in the moment too yeah and like i i heard you talk uh before about like putting on masks mm -hmm. and how this affects being completely open and open yeah. and vulnerable and um from a we'll touch on like the social media side of things social media mm -hmm. is a fantastic tool 
a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but that is also very detrimental to a lot of people's health. Absolutely. And it's not necessarily the, it's yeah. not Instagram's fault, it's not right. LinkedIn's fault, it's people being insecure and not, not open with themselves mm-hmm. and not being present with their own emotions. And um, I think it's a, it's a very vicious cycle sometimes. You see everyone's perfect lives on social media, but I think we're, we're at the start of this trend and this change of more people becoming open on mm-hmm. social media actually and kind of opening up that discussion for mental health and hey it's okay to show your vulnerability it's okay to show that you're struggling with x y and z and i know from my standpoint when i first got into video it was all just business entrepreneurship this is what i'm doing this is mm-hmm. what i'm trying to do i'm trying to make money da 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 um but i never really got deeper into my content and mm-hmm. like as of like probably four or five months ago, I realized like, I just kind of flipped the switch. Like, this isn't really who I am. Like I've just been Mm -hmm. putting on this mask of creating content that I think people want to hear from me. And it's just this, this loop of, I'll put on another mask, another mask, another Mm -hmm. mask. And like, if you do it full time for a living, every single hour of the day, you, you really come to struggles with yourself. And that's kind of the process I've been going through these past let's say four to five months. And mm-hmm. now that's why I launched this podcast to have these, these conversations and dig deeper into that content and really topics about mental health. And it's okay to say I'm struggling with things. And right. I think it starts with, um, with content online. Like that's, that's how people communicate now. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, in-person relationships are amazing. In-person uh, conversations, coffee meetings are awesome. Sure. But the reality of communication nowadays, like it's it's social media. There mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a difference between your online self and your real self. So how do we get to that step? And that's opening the conversation up to, hey, if, if I'm comfortable talking with my mom about my mental state, and obviously you don't need to share everything online, but if you share a little bit of that struggle, then mm-hmm. maybe someone else sees it and says, oh, I, I can share my struggle too. And then we get this momentum rolling with like, hey, it's okay to talk about struggles online. And I think we're we're right at the beginning of that, which I'm excited about. Um, I just wanted to ask if you've uh-huh. seen the same trend or kind of what your, what your thoughts on absolutely. social media vulnerability. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've seen the same thing. And I think, like, like you said, right, social media, all of these tech tools that we have are fabulous and they are... Um, <laughs> they are not biased, right, for or against anything. They are simply just tools that we can use however we choose to use. And initially, it it feels like it was a way for people to kind of escape real life, right, and to put things out there that felt better than real life, right? I mean, sort of the old saying about, like, everybody, you know, is just putting out the highlight reel, essentially, Mm -hmm. right? Like, this is what my life looks like, Mm -hmm. and trying to pretend it's something, you know, and that the struggles behind it aren't there. We're trying to escape in some way. But that's not real, right? And the more it's a part of our lives, and the more that we're interacting with each other in that way, more real it's going to have to get. And of course, there's still always boundaries. I talk a lot about boundaries with people, um, especially interpersonal and relationship boundaries and how to to curate those and make sure they're appropriate for different relationships. And not everybody is going to hear all of our stuff, right? Nor should they. (laughs) We tell tell parts of it to people as we trust them more and more, 
right? So like you might tell your mom something a lot more than you're going to tell, you know, your business partner. You might tell, you know, your customer a lot less, right, than you're going to tell a friend. Um, and so there's different boundaries. And the same thing is true for social media, right? Mm-hmm. There's still appropriate boundaries that need to be in place. But the reality is that the more real we are and the more we can at least put, like you said, a little bit of that struggle out there and that honesty out there, the more people match that, right? And the more that we are willing to be vulnerable with someone and they match that, that's when we can have a meaningful connection. And humans are social creatures. We thrive on connection with each other, right? We need that. Um, It does wonders for our mental health to have that connection. And we can get that through social media if we do it in the right way. And I think going back to the stigma piece, this is one of the ways in which we can really begin to break down that stigma uh, is being able to just put it out there like life is hard yeah right it's it's not going to be pretty all the time right we're going to struggle we're going to have times where we need to do some deeper reflection we're going to have times where where we just kind of need to to work on ourselves right and take a step back and then there are times that we need to lean in more and and deal with that mm-hmm. i think one of the biggest um like the biggest like realizations i've had over the past like few months um of digging deeper into mm-hmm. my own mental health is like being a human like there's a lot of good and bad emotions in life like you said life is hard sometimes life is hard most of the time but then there's also really beautiful parts of it but Mm -hmm. being being a human being means you deal with all of it you deal with the bad and you deal with the good and Mm -hmm. i think that's the beautiful part of essentially being being a human being yeah those emotions are what make us real right those emotions are human and we often have people struggling with certain emotions because we label them good or bad or whatever, right? When really they're just all emotions and they come and they go, right? Happiness will come and it will go and sadness will come and it will go. And so when we really are, are open to the fact that our emotions are going to show up, right? They are going to come, but then they are also going to go, right? They, they essentially just kind of like roll through us <laughs> if we let them and don't do something weird with them by holding on too tightly or, you know, focusing on them too much or yeah, in what, some what strange some, way. What are some weird things um, <laughs> every human does to hold on to those emotions? Well, yeah, I mean, just mentally, we may be just clinging too tight, right? I mean, there's a lot of metaphors, right? We might just pretend they're not there and sweep them under the rug um, and then ultimately we end up tripping over the rug because it's too big, right? Or we end up um, with some people, it's a better metaphor, like they're just boxing them up and sticking them on shelves, right? But eventually the storeroom is too big and it's all spilling out everywhere and we've got like a hoarder situation, right? Or other people... um, you know, let them all out too much, right? And not in a healthy way, right? They're overwhelming and they come out um, in ways that don't serve them well, right? And so emotions at their core, if you watch like a little child, right? Emotions come and go and they happen fairly quickly. They don't, um, they don't generally linger for hours, right? It's it's something like 20 minutes usually right from from a peak to kind of when we're back down again with any emotion and and so they just flow through us if we let them and acknowledge them but they need the acknowledgement it's when we start stuffing them in or when we start doing these weird things with them that they end up causing problems for us and so just the acknowledgement is often enough Um, unfortunately we learn early in life 
how not to handle them well, right? <laughs> kind of going back to those, you know, middle school or high school years or whatever. We and even often even younger, we learn from, um, you know, the family or people who are surrounding us when we're growing up how to handle emotions. And some families only allow, you know, maybe happiness and anger, mm-hmm. right? Fear and sadness may not be accessible to them because they weren't sort of allowed, right? And, and maybe not overtly, but that was the subtext, right? Or it's just sort of the family culture. And then what? Because those are pretty fundamental emotions, <laughs> right? We all get scared. Yeah. Right? We all get sad. Um, and the reality is we have to learn to be able to kind of check in with ourselves and figure that out um, and be able to feel it and, and then let it go, mm-hmm. right? But you can't let it go until you feel it first. Yeah, it's super profound, and I think that's like, I know, I know you do mindful therapy as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like meditation, like that's that's essentially what they what they try to teach you in meditation. You have a lot of these thoughts. You have a monkey mind of thoughts every day, and there's a million different thoughts yeah. in meditation. You learn to kind of have those thoughts pass like clouds mm-hmm. on a cloudy day, and just be present in the moment. But you can have these thoughts come up. But how can you like react to those, or how? Would, don't you react to them more more specifically? Um, I saw this like Instagram post. I forgot who it was from or mm-hmm. where it was from, um, but it was essentially talking about animals. And there was like a gazelle and a lion. Mm-hmm. Animals don't essentially like feel too many emotions. They don't stress about taxes and human, <laughs> human certainly stuff. not in the way we do. <laughs> but so so a gazelle was just eating grass. A lion comes up and pounces on him, and the gazelle runs away. They're in a mm-hmm. five minute chase. And the gazelle is shaking because it's about to die from a lion. It gets away. It's shaking for the next five minutes. Then the gazelle just goes back to eating grass. Like, wow, I'm alive. Good. I'm, I'm, lion is not after me anymore. I'm just going to eat my grass. And I think that was like a really like profound thing I saw. And I'm like, I was not expecting like a big like breakthrough and like deeper connection (laughs) between this like lion and gazelle. But it's true. Mm-hmm. Humans humans think that lion is chasing them all day long, all year long, all lifetime long. And that's like, that comes up with, we're not letting those emotions pass and we just bottle them up or just mm-hmm. feed the stress and anxiety of, of everyday life. And that's where a lot of that overwhelm and ultimately burnout comes from, right? Is the fact that we're we might be in a state where we're just holding that so much all the time, right? That fear. Um, and humans you know, have, have a similar, I mean, anxiety at its core is, is fear-based, right? And it's there for a purpose. At its core, it's to protect me when I'm walking down a dark alley at night, right? I should have a bit of anxiety then, yeah. right? There are, there are situations um, where it's appropriate to have that fear because we need to react quickly. And that's when the, the fight or flight or freeze in some situations occurs, right? And that's exactly what happened with the gazelle. It's like yeah. the perfect example, right? And within there, we we do have that. The problem is when it becomes too much or it gets stuck, right? Or if it becomes a way of life and then we end up living like that all the time and our body is not designed to live like that all the time. Yeah. And so we end up uh, going and going and going at a very high level, <laughs> very long time and that's when we end up burnt out that's when we end up you know dealing with other health issues that's when we end up with our relationships falling apart it's when there's just too much happening um, because we weren't tending to the things that we needed to before and and that happens to some degree to all
all of us, right? We all have moments where life just gets really chaotic for a long time and it's really hard. There's so much to deal with. Uh, and then we need to restore, right? We really need to kind of recover and, and find ourselves again and, and sift through all that. Um, and, and it's hard to remember that and, and not go too long before we do that restorative piece mm-hmm. right? to kind of get back to our, our normal baseline. Yeah, two, two things. I've, I've really just like shocked my whole system and shocked my whole body the past like two or three months because... Mm-hmm. Let's say like the first like three quarters of 2019, part of 2018, I was just so far heavy on the, hey, this is this is my business. I need to mm-hmm. live and die and breathe by this business. I need to yeah. work 14, 15, 16 hours a day to make this wow. happen. If I don't, this is going to fail. Um, and I was just working every single day and like as hard as I physically could. And it's, it's hard because I love what I do. And I feel like I've talked to a lot of other um, creatives is an is a easy mm-hmm. example of that because you talk to a videographer, a photographer, a graphic Absolutely. designer, or an artist. They love what they do. Yes. But again, too much of anything can kill you. Yes. Too much of water, you can drown. <laughs> right. Too little water, you, you die. Right. Um, so there's always a balance there. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was I was playing so far heavy on this work every single day side of things. And then about like two, three months ago, I went all the way on the other side of the spectrum of, ooh, now I need to really dig into my mental health and who mm-hmm. I am. And like, it was an unhealthy balance because it's like, I'm, I'm strong on the business side of things. That's kind of where I come from. That's where my mindset is at. Mm-hmm. So I let that slide a little bit the, these sure. past few months because I was so heavily focused on my mental health, which... Um, had like more negative side effects too because Mm -hmm. I'm like wow now I'm really unbalanced I don't even know if I want to start or continue to grow this business but now I'm finding more of a middle ground balance between okay now I can pull the things I've learned from the business side of life now I can pull more self-development stuff Mm -hmm. and this is where I am centered like I I feel better than (laughs) better than before Um, I was gonna say a second point but I totally forgot that because Whatever. It happens, it was, right? It was it was centered around this um, the point of just opposite pulling, yeah. and here it is. Like on on, on social media, like I, I call it hustle porn. Like mm. everyone, love, all entrepreneurs love to say, "Yo, you need oh, to work yeah. 15, 16 hours a day every mm-hmm. single day to even make a dollar to your name." When in reality, that's not the case. Yes, you Good. need to put in an astronomical amount of work to mm-hmm. make good things happen in life and good is relative to who you are um i just wanted to talk to you about the struggle of quote-unquote work-life balance oh yeah there's a big one (laughs) every everyone loves to talk about that no one really knows what it means i just want to get your thoughts on it sure well and i think it's something i actually talk about all the time Mm. with with clients and with other people i we we see a lot of entrepreneurs we see a lot of executives we see a lot of people who are really struggling with the work-life balance thing. Um, and I, f- I feel like a part of that is because as co-founders ourselves, right, we get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a real component there. We love what we do. And if given the opportunity, right, this could be 100 hours a week if yeah. I'm not careful. It's not unusual um, for me to end up far over what I anticipated for my hours. Uh, and so we actually track our hours very carefully, nice. right, intentionally, because we know we might overwork. <laughs> Yeah. And we have families and we have lives and we have other things and and that balance is important. So uh, I do want to validate that that struggle is real (laughs) for everyone. Right. Even those of us who are doing this in the therapy world. Yeah. And 
I think work-life balance, the way in which I think about it is to keep in mind that there isn't a perfect balance. Okay, so perfect balance is an illusion. There is no perfection. That's yeah. impossible. And to try to strive for that is not going to be successful. That's going to be a whole different problem that will overwhelm and burn us out. <laughs> right? So we have to be careful of that as well. Um, but to strive for essentially a little bit of counterbalance. Right? So I kind of go back to this little bit of a scientific idea of like counterbalancing. Right? Like weights counterbalancing idea or, or the um, image in my brain usually is of watching ballet if you ever see someone on their on their point mm-hmm. right and their foot looks almost perfectly balanced but the reality is it's very very quickly just going back and forth to keep them upright mm-hmm. right and so i think very much of these two different sides that are trying to balance each other out and and let's be honest, there aren't just two. It's not just work and, you know, whatever we put on that other side. But there's yeah. really a lot of them all around there, right? It's work, um, but work's part of life, right? So if we break yeah. down life, we have work and we have, you know, our social life and we have our private home life and we have the fun things that we love to go do elsewhere, right? Or hobbies or other things and these all surround us. And I feel like they counterbalance each other. Some weeks I might be heavier on work and some some weeks I might be heavier on uh, family life or I might be heavier on you know needing a little restorative time for myself or going out and exploring the world right or these different facets of life um, and I think over time long term they have to balance each other out it's not realistic to have a precise 40 hours of work and 40 hours at home and 40 hours of whatever else and fit sleep in, right? I mean, that's never going to happen for any of us. There is no perfection. And so it's simply a matter of always just keeping an eye on this counterbalance and, and sorting through what we need that to look like to feel whole, right? Like to feel like our life has meaning and fulfillment in more than just one place. Yeah, that's like one of, so one of the main reasons why I do what I do and create content and mm-hmm. share my story and yada, yada, yada is to inspire other people to do the same. Yeah. To inspire other people to create their own path and like, yo, I have this box. I have this shape that I fit perfectly inside of that box because mm-hmm. it is my box. Right. It's taken a lot to get to that point and it's constantly still working on it. But a lot of people, it's super easy to say, ooh, that's a box I want to fit in. I'm, yeah. I, I have, I've seen this person's life on social media. I've seen... Mm-hmm these Instagram models I want to be, I want it, I want my life to be that. So I'm going to change who I am to fit that box. Sure. I think that's where this struggle comes in, like mm-hmm. spe- specifically with, with work-life balance, just because we see Gary Vee working 90 hours a week or Elon Musk mm-hmm. working 110 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Maybe it works for them, True. but like that's them. Like you are you. So how mm-hmm. do you find yourself? And like, I guess, I guess more of that is kind of like a, rhetorical question but like more specifically like let let's go tactical mm-hmm. how can you how can you like process and map out your life essentially and hey here are the different categories of quote-unquote work family mm-hmm. personal self fun what are some things that you do personally that mm-hmm. maybe try to help with that balance yeah I think it is something something that we need to intentionally think about mm-hmm. first of all right kind of who we are as a human and what makes us us right needs to align in all of the different areas of our life you can't have a complete 
um, dichotomy between your work self and your personal self, or you will burn a lot of energy (laughs) doing that alone without accomplishing anything, right? It, It will essentially burn you out. And so it is important to to really kind of have that alignment that you're talking about and be able to at any point in your life take a step back and do this sort of self-assessment, right? And, And kind of look into who am I and what is happening in my world and knowing that it's not going to be consistent throughout a lifetime, right? We change and should change as time goes on, right? We are consistently, hopefully, working on becoming a better person and figuring out new things about ourselves and exploring and learning different things about ourselves. Um, I often joke with clients that when we are 10 and 20 and 40 and 60 and 80, we should be a different person at all of those ages, right? Like we should not be the exact same person because no one wants a 60 year old who's acting like a 10 year old, (laughs) right? Like this is not uh, something that's really useful, right? We need to grow and learn over time and figure out who we are And so to know that we're always consistently changing, hopefully, and that doing that work to figure out, okay, what does this mean for me? What's important to me? And it can be an exercise that's just written down on paper, right? It can be an exercise that's just put out there um, in a conversation with someone or in a reflective, kind of depends on how each person processes, right? For me, I tend to be a little bit more of an introvert. I tend to, you know, do my deepest thinking when I'm alone or driving in my car or something like that, right? But to think through, am I feeling fulfilled in all the different areas of my life? And we need, we, we've kind of identified roughly like five areas that we feel like people need. And it's not specific to like work or family or things like that but it's more that we need we need to be able to create in our lives in some fashion and for some people that's their career right and and, and that's where that comes in other people it might be a hobby that they have or it might be something they do with their family or it might come in somewhere else Um, we all need to explore right and be be out there like learning new things and figuring things out for ourselves or trying different things and having some novelty in our lives Um, we all need uh, healthy relationships to help ground us and keep us from being incredibly lonely, right? And they need to be healthy relationships yeah. to avoid loneliness, right? I mean, we all need to have some self-protection. And and so we, we put in these different sort of elements um, that aren't like really specific, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not laying out, oh, this week I need to spend 10 hours, <laughs> you know, writing because I love to write. Um, but it's knowing that I need sort of that value in my life, right? I need something creative because if I don't, if I go for too long without doing something that suits me and my creative realm, I'm going to feel like something's missing in my life. I'm going to feel off balance at that point. And so keeping an eye on these different facets is really kind of what we look for. That's super, super important. That's a that's a great point. Um, you've done a few podcasts before. Mm-hmm. You've done eight, ten podcasts. You said, mm-hmm. um, are, have those podcasts been very similar in topics you talk about and questions you get asked and stuff? Not usually. A lot of them are okay. kind of in our industry, like in the therapy world. Um, we teach some like online therapy education stuff and do pieces of that. Mm-hmm. So it's been more, um, I think, based on talking to other therapists yeah. more than something like this. Yeah. yeah. So 
So I will ask you, like, what mm-hmm. is one topic or question that you wish more people asked you or a topic that you want to shed light mm. on that you haven't been able to in the past? Oh, Sam, I think there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we need a podcast number two. I know, two right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sitting here going like, wow, where yeah. do I even begin, right? Not because people haven't asked, but because I think there are so many just fundamental things that people people come to us and ask as therapists that we wish we could share more publicly, right? So people come um, to us all the time and in sessions are kind of almost whispering like, is this normal, (laughs) right? Like, what, is there something wrong with me? Why can't I make this relationship work? Or, Or what is it that is causing this? And with the question behind being like, okay, what, tell me what's wrong with me, (laughs) right? And the reality is that most of the time, there isn't. It's normal, (laughs) right? And we end up as therapists um, having a lot of conversations with a lot of people where they're sharing private things that they're not vulnerable enough to share with everyone else. And so they're not getting feedback with someone else saying, oh my gosh, yes, I have that same experience, Mm -hmm. right? And so I might in the same day hear three different people talking about the exact same problem and they think they're the only one. And I think that kind of harkens back a little bit to the stigma we talked about and a little bit um, to that vulnerability, right? And and social media and and our relationships and putting that out there. But I think one one of the ways in which we can really help ourselves quite a bit is to recognize that a lot of the struggle and a lot of what we're going through is actually fairly normal, right? Um, and that's a really important piece. And there's, there's some pieces there that are pretty fundamental. And I love that that's something I feel like you're doing with these podcasts. I, I, I've been secretly listening to Thank all of you. your podcasts, by the way. Um, but I love it because you're allowing space for the conversations that people are afraid to have elsewhere. Right. And and you're intentionally putting that space and that time available for people um, to say, oh, man, me too. I really struggle with this. Right. Or this came up for me or to genuinely ask, like, so how is it going? Yeah. Right. How are you doing? Um, and that can be such a meaningful thing to us that we often just pass over or don't yeah. pay attention to. And so I think more people need to make space for that. Um, and need to genuinely just slow down long enough to curate the relationship, right? Because we underestimate the importance of what that can do for us and and our mental health. I love that. And as we wrap up this first (laughs) episode, because there's going to be multiple with with us, maybe we can get Forrest in here too. Oh, fun. What's kind of like one question or Mm -hmm. uh, maybe even task you want to leave the viewers or the listeners with Mm -hmm. today? That can be mental health related, therapy related, just self-development related. Um, I'll, I'll open it up to you. Oh, that's <laughs> a tricky one. I know, it's probably quite a bit. Um, I think what I would encourage people to do the most is to make sure to, what we were talking about before, to take, take time to be a little bit more intentional about what's really going on right, in life and how relationships are being handled and what work needs to be done. Right? Just a little self-reflective exercise, kind of like step back, 
maybe notice. I often give um, clients kind of like these noticing tasks, right? Just notice what's happening in their world or in their life and notice what's going well, what's not going well. And then curious, not judgmental, just curious Mm -hmm. about what things are going on around that and what could be improved to make that better, right? Because often we're just busy, 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 right? We're working 80 hours a week. We're trying to push forward as quickly as possible and do all the things. And we forget to just pause for a few moments, slow down, and kind of do a little little assessment of, do we have what we need? What are we missing? Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Well, Shelly, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on oh, your you. Staring Blank podcast. Thanks. It's been an honor to be here. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Thank you.